This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And here's our question for today. Is there anything in Scripture that tells us how often to or not to take communion? So as far back as the church goes, I mean, communion was weekly. It They celebrated communion when they met for weekly worship. That's what you see in the book of Acts. That's what you see. It's what they did. It's the rhythm. It's how things go. And and honestly, like let's just be honest about church history. Um, very early on, if not the late first century into the mid-second century, um, some really weird ideas around communion and baptism started to emerge. Right. And it was the idea that they almost had – uh, the best word I could use is supernatural mystical powers to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus was really clear. You do this in remembrance, remembrance of me. me. It's a memorial. It's a looking back upon. It's it's something that we do. It's a tactile reminder of the centrality of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He right. is what is most central and, and binds us together. And so what happened is they started to believe it had just, we'll say, um, power to it that honestly the scriptures never endow it with ever not even once and so we have to understand a lot of the we'll say common modern roman catholic views or lutheran views even some of the presbyterian views um, don't emerge directly out of the text of scripture um, they emerge out of the tradition of the church over history and so um, as the roman catholic doctrine started to evolve and get solidified i mean they took it to a place where it was required for salvation um, it was required for your sanctification mm-hmm. um, they they brought it to levels greater than remembrance. Right. And then by the time the Reformation started in the late 16th century and kind of evolved into the 17th century, um, we even see that the followers of Martin Luther had a hard time really letting go of their Roman Catholic baggage. And so mm-hmm. in that area, that's correct. Especially because the, the Roman Catholics believe in what is called transubstantiation, that Explain metaphysically that. the elements are transformed into the body and blood of Christ, even though physically um, they're still bread and juice or bread right. and wine or whatever. Um, and so this idea that when you actually partake of communion, you're eating the body and the blood, drinking the blood of, of Jesus. Sounds like cannibalism. A little bit. And they wouldn't call it that because it's not an actual that's actual is the hard word, it, you know, because it's still on the surface, bread and right. wine. So, uh, and so the the Lutherans um, realized heavily that the Roman Catholics um, added to salvation, added works, and communion was a part of that. Um, but they weren't able to let go fully. So their doctrine is consubstantiation. Okay, explain that one. Uh, con means with. So like the idea is that Jesus, uh, the elements are not transformed into the body and blood of Jesus, but Jesus is in with and through the elements. Mm. And so by partaking of communion, there's still this mystical aspect to it where you are spiritually nourished. And the Presbyterians have kind of their own reformed like way of looking at this, but there's still this idea that there's a transference of grace. It's mm-hmm. a means of grace is what um, Presbyterians say. And, and all of that, the best I can tell, is on, it's honestly historical traditional baggage, which again, it's not the end of the world, you know? Um, but when you just let the text speak for itself, you just don't find the idea that communion is a means of grace. So mm-hmm. when I talk to my Presbyterian buddies, and I'm probably driving them nuts right now, and they're going to submit, <laughs> you know, questions. But 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 you know, when I talk to them about communion, here's what always happens: they don't go back to scripture; they go back to logical arguments that were built off of their their Presbyterian traditions. Mm-hmm. 
And again, that's not terrible. Like they're not bad human beings, but sometimes we forget that when we grow up in a, a religious cultural system, it's very hard to let go of those. I can only imagine what the Jews felt when Jesus obliterated the law and said, no law, mm-hmm. new law, it's law of spirit. You know, it's written on the hearts of men and not on tablets of stone. <laughs> Look, mm-hmm. how, how crazy must that have driven them, you know? And so even the Jews just had this desire to even hear Jesus's laws and Jesus's ways um, through the lens of the religious culture. And it got them into a lot of trouble. And uh, when you just open up the Bible, right? Call me simple. <laughs> when you open up the Bible, it doesn't ever even infer means of grace, right? right. It doesn't even infer consubstantiation, let alone transubstantiation. Um, and some people will say, but he says, this is my body, right? Don't you take the Bible literally? Well, he also says, I am a door. It doesn't mean he's made out of wood and that metaphysically he's a door, right? It's a figure of, figure of speech. It's a figure of speech. And, and again, my, my intention is not to be insulting. My intention is to say, Everybody, myself included, we because I grew up Reformed Presbyterian. I mean, I get the world and I appreciate it and love it. Mm-hmm. But all of us need to just be so aware that sometimes our religious culture that we grew up with can be a lens that prevents us from seeing clearly the simplicity of the text. And so when you open up scripture and you just take all the aggregate um, scriptures on communion – it just seems to be this thing that is really, really important to God. Like, mm-hmm. don't mess with it, right? I mean, right. some people died because they didn't take it right, right? They they didn't honor what it meant and symbolized. But at the same sense, it's it's to remember what God has done for us in Jesus so that we never, ever, ever, ever forget. So that you, being said. Yeah. So go on. You were so, going to say. So you're clearly explaining what the Bible teaches that the meaning of communion is. But I, let's say that we come from a church background where we observe communion the first Sunday of the month or once a quarter or maybe even every week. Yep. Is one right and one wrong? So what you're saying, Michael, is answer the question that was asked. <laughs> That's I should do that. Okay. So um, caveats, you know, because I'm hearing all the objections before I even answer the question. So and first, sometimes we need to do that. I know. I know. I'm, I do it too much. So first, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. How often is as often? How often is as often? And there's two options. Is it as often as you partake of communion or as often as you gather? And again, historically, the church just understood this as often as you gather, right? Right. And um, But as we say that, you – if you just take the words literally, it could be translated as often as you take it, right? Mm-hmm. So I prefer not to be a legalist on this. I prefer to say, you know what? This is not a gospel issue. My concern is A, do you do it? And B, every time you gather is Jesus, life, death, resurrection at the center of what you do. Is it being proclaimed? Because mm-hmm. we need that. Like that's just we need that reminder. essential, right? So our practice at the Village Church is we celebrate communion weekly. Historically, that was not our practice. Historically, we played the typical Protestant game. Um, and the reason we played the game of monthly communion, I'll just tell you mm-hmm. our reason and what I hear from most Christians is, well, don't you think people will A, get sick of it, B, the Catholics did that, and we don't want them to misinterpret what we're doing with Catholic communion. Um, and those are really the two main ones. Well, I am not going to set precedent and policy based on a reaction against Catholics. Mm-hmm. I want to try to go back to Scripture and then serve my body. And we transitioned to this, and a lot of our church, were, they were nervous about it, I would say. 
And, um, and then after about six months of doing it, they were like, thank you so much. This has been amazing. This has been so centering, so helpful, so encouraging to put Jesus at the center. Um, and just to put this on the table, there's something meaningful about the tactile experience of eating Mm -hmm. bread and juice or wine or whatever your church does. Um, so we did that. Um, but let me be really honest about why we made the transition. I didn't make the transition or lead that transition because I believe the Bible's conviction is that we should do it every single week. Although historically, I think that's a great practice because that has been the habit of the church. Mm-hmm. We did it because I believe that that time our church had lost focus. Mm. And what I wanted to do was to recenter permanently our church on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it has served our community immensely, immensely well to proclaim the gospel every week and to center our time on partaking of these elements in remembrance of everything Jesus did for us. So I want to be clear on that. Some people might think that, you know, we're just trying to be hip or cool or monastic or millennial or whatever else. Like, that's not the case. Like, we desperately needed to be refocused. And this is, I think, one of the greatest ways that God has given us to make sure that when his people gather, Jesus is central. Amen, Pastor Michael. Thank you for that answer. And thank you for taking us back to scripture and filtering it with grace. Listeners, don't forget, you can submit your questions to our podcast by going to our church website, vcob.org. Just click on the link that says Q&A podcast question. We're looking forward to speaking to you next time in episode 100, where we ask the question, is it okay for a Christian to be a Democrat? Yes, no, maybe, possibly. (laughs) 